Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. Happy Sunday. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And my name is Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. Now, we hope you enjoyed our 100th show last Sunday. As a reminder, all our past shows are available on the Get Radio website. And Ben and I look forward to bringing you many more shows in the future, where we will continue to introduce you to local trusted experts from across our network, with a view to them sharing their experience, knowledge and their expertise, whilst we also discuss topical issues that you, the listeners, are telling us is impacting on local businesses here in Oxfordshire. And we hope you liked our new format last week where we were giving even more time to our roundtable discussions with our guests and we'll continue that today. So on today's show, we look forward to welcoming our three guests who are Regina Jonas of Databasics UK, Joanne Baker of the Emerald Training and People Development Services and Sandra Diblin from Oxfordshire Mind. Ben, as you often say, let's hope the listeners have brought their notebooks today as I'm sure there's going to be a show full of tips again. But my question for this week is why is training so important for Oxfordshire's businesses? That's a great question, Mike. Um, and a great question to put to our three experts um later in the show we'll be discussing their expertise their experience and talking all about training this is the business brunch with ben and mike we'll be welcoming our guests after this Get radio. welcome back this is get radio and this is the business brunch with ben and mike um so let's start by introducing our guests so our first guest today um is regina jonas of databasics welcome regina hi ben how are you doing Yes, so well. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, so Regina, start um by telling the listeners all about databasics in case they didn't hear from Kelly last week. Excellent. Thank you so much for having us back again. Um, so I think we should get a loyalty card. Uh, databasics <laughs> is a practical data protection and data management company. So we try and bring fun and uh, enjoyment to our training that we provide. We try and make it engaging for people. So data protection is something that people are not normally excited about but obviously in our company we always are so we will offer companies the opportunity to um, engage with our training programs from basic data protection training right the way through to uh, specialist training for data protection officers uh, for marketing executives everything that they could want to know about data protection we try and cover it in a way that will be applicable to their roles and daily lives Amazing. Perfect. We will get more into the training side of things and more about databasics in in the round table with a kind of training hat on. But just before we do that, what was your background before databasics? So I previously worked in the NHS in public health data management, uh, helping uh, people within the drug and alcohol treatment section understand how to send data through about their clients. So quality assuring it so it could be 
taken from front-end users um, and clinicians on the front line and inform policy and decision-making around investment and demonstrate outcomes from that data. So, um, yeah, it's very much around making sure that data works for you and is practical in the way that it's used and accessed and understood by people. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much for that intro. Um, and look forward to hearing more about you and indeed Data Basics in a moment. But before that, let's go to Joanne Baker of Emerald Training and People Development Services. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. How are you? So well, so well. Thanks so much for joining us. So as Regina did, uh, tell the listeners more about you and indeed your business. So basically, um, one of the biggest challenges, particularly in small independent um, businesses, is getting good quality training without just ticking, being a, a tick box exercise. So this is where I come in, where I bring affordable training to small to medium businesses in health and social care sector, hospitality and catering. Um, also, uh, some B2Bs as well, because there's lots of soft skills. But um, but some, but it's a quality training. So the problem is is they can't put the cheapest way to be trained is e-learning where you sit and you do and that for a lot of companies is how they tick all the boxes but there's no uh, there's a place for e-learning in terms of um in in blended learning you know so it, it could be part of the development of that person but i also um, talk about people development as well and i'm really interested in mike's um, co- um question because um training is all about people development and, and retaining those people as well so um so yes that's basically me it's, it's a niche that i feel that i can fill um you know because um i don't charge the earth but i i i'm passionate about training and i want people to do well because of it amazing Absolutely. And your passion really, really comes through. And I'm really keen to build build on that piece um, around kind of the e-learning um, and the in-person blend. So uh, be prepared for those questions um, in the roundtable. Um, but before that, let's go to um, Sandra Dibbling of Oxygen Mind. Welcome, Sandra. Please tell the listeners all about you and indeed Oxygen Mind. Thank you, Ben. Good morning Thank to you. you. Um, okay, so Oxfordshire Mind is a mental health charity based in Oxfordshire. The majority of our services are in Oxfordshire, although we've just sort of um, started to support people in West Berkshire, but primarily uh, an Oxfordshire charity. Um, We help many, many thousands of people with their mental health issues every year. And really our vision is to support anyone um, that's that's struggling with sort of great quality services and really sort of campaigning for positive positive change in the system. Now, a large part of that for us is workplace wellbeing training. So we deliver a, a wonderful suite of um, of workplace wellbeing training. So, for example, mental health first aid, managers' tips and tools for sort of supporting their staff. And it's all about making sure that um, the management team or any manager, in fact, is is sort of in touch with their staff and what they're doing and making sure that um, they're OK, really, and um, flagging anything that may not be OK. So, um, so yeah, so um, that's us. Amazing. Perfect. I'm really, really keen to build on that again in the round table. Um, so for this section, I'm going to go back to Regina because Regina can pick first. It's like a school football team, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so Regina, you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? I have. It's Better Together by Jack Johnson. And there's a couple of reasons. One is it was the first song uh, that my husband and I danced to at our wedding in July, uh, July, September 2021. And um, the other reason I think it underpins the way that you need to think about business, it's a collaborative process. And actually, 
things are generally better when you involve other people and you work together rather than try to do things on your own. And I think that's something the pandemic's really brought home to me. It's always better when Kelly and I are together in the office. And so, yeah, that was my choice. Oxfordshire Station. Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Uh, before that song, chosen by Regina, um, first song at her wedding, which I think she got the date right in the end, um, <laughs> was basically uh, a great song for us to tune into. Our show, uh, as you know, aims to share the knowledge, experience and the expertise of our guests, whilst we're also discussing topical issues impacting local businesses. And today we're going to be talking about all things training. Uh, so just to, to kick off then, um, I'm going to basically kick off our roundtable discussion with yourself, Regina, if I can, um, is that I know one of the things you talked about in your introduction is about how practical your guidance and advice is to your customers from a training perspective how easy is that to get those sort of points across in your training so i think for us it's it's um something that we draw on our own experience both from whilst working in the nhs and also since we've set up data basics we've we've worked with a lot of clients directly um, we keep an eye on stories in the news and to be honest with data protection and cybersecurity, there's so much in day-to-day life that you can draw on and see that actually if you can bring those stories um, home to people and, and try and illustrate the principles, the ideas, the concepts that you're explaining and, and use either the stories that you've seen as a third-party story or things that you've come across in the news or you know something that you've seen people in your, your network do, then it really helps to underline the point that you're trying to make and help people connect with it. Because I think if you try and explain things that are um, outside of where people are normally working or thinking, it can be really difficult to make that connection. And so for us, we really always try and think, what role are these people working in? What businesses, what sector? And try and then illustrate those points. And often it can be the same fundamental story, but set in a different context that then actually helps people to relate to it because they're not worried about trying to understand anything more wide than the point that you're trying to bring home to them and, and sort of engage them in that conversation. And often it'll um, elicit more uh, examples that they bring to us. And some of the things people show in training is, is brilliant uh, that we can then use, obviously, um, anonymously, but in future sessions to illustrate the points that we're trying to make. No, really, really good. Really, really good point there. Um, Joanne, I'm, I'm going to bring uh, the conversation across, across to yourself and, and really focus on something that, again, um, you mentioned in, in your introduction, which is about that in-person training blending with, with e-learning. Can you build on that point? And in terms of when, how should organisations, I guess, kind of make the decision in terms of do they go solely e-learning? Do they go solely in person? Is it a blend? Talk to the listeners a little bit more about your expertise in that area. Well, to be fair, I don't actually think that all of one or all of the other is actually um, ideal. I mean, uh, in terms of all e-learning, you're not really seeing how that person's interacting, what they understand. And some of the e-learning things that uh, that are on at the moment are very, very simple. I, I had uh, I came across a couple of uh, e-learning sessions where they did a an assessment at the end of it. and uh, But all the answers, the multiple choice answers were C. So, so, you know, you have to be careful. I'm not saying dis- discount it altogether. In fact, you know, um, come September, I'll be putting on some, um, not so much e-learning, but sort of uh, bite-sized sessions that are pre-recorded for people to have a look at. But I wouldn't want to do it half a day, for example. It would be the bite-sized type things that just to refresh memories rather than full-on training, although some of it might be if it's appropriate. Um, with regards to the blended, with, with you can do um, remote training, which I do on Zoom. I've done 
a couple of times on Zoom, but even that has its problems. So, for example, um, running a workshop where people are doing, uh, are interacting with one another. Yes, you can put them in rooms, but actually quite often as in a classroom situation, I can, you know, being that I've got four ears, um, I can hear one end and, and concentrate, focus on another so I can pick up on uh, on points that maybe uh, needs to be brought back to 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 where it needs to be so there's there's pros and cons to everything i mean remote training is great because you can get you can reach people far and wide but you need to know how to you know you really have to work hard to make sure that everyone stays engaged classroom training is great for peer learning as is um, zoom i suppose but um but with I, I just feel that um, all e-learning is just one-dimensional, and we, we're talking about lots of different learning styles that need to be covered, which you can get in the classroom. You can get to an extent on remote training, and of course you can uh, and distance learning as well if it's blended with sort of one-to-ones or um, classroom training. So there's, you know, it doesn't have to be all one thing. I just feel that. Um, to, uh, e-learning is a tick box exercise which a lot of companies wish they didn't have to do but that's all they can afford and uh, so um, so yes it is a cheaper option in a lot of places but is the quality there and what is it that their um, employees really understand does yes. that answer your question that's a fantastic fantastic summary and i think um regina i'd, I'd was going to bring that back to you and I see you got your your, your interest to, to comment there because I know you've got a blend of training available haven't you in terms of whether it's live in person whether it's live sessions online or whether it is the e-learning tell us a little bit about your experience and how that works yeah I just wanted to pick up on some of the points Joanne made there I think it's um it's a really e-learning can be a really good way of giving foundations to people where it's going to be a lot of the same or core concepts or a, a good basis and um, I think that's what we typically find people will use the e-learning module and, and the e-learning approach that we take they'll use it as that kind of introductory piece it's kind of a, a good this is where you need to be and I agree, it does very much depend on how people engage with those. And I think, you know, obviously, sometimes we'll go back to people and say, it's not possible to do a data protection course that's meant to be an hour in three minutes. So let's redo that one, shall we? <laughs> um, but then taking that foundation, you can then really explore um, some more in-depth training. We've got customers that work with us where they will either have done their own e-learning package or they'll in, you know have done us and then want to go and explore it more in depth have conversations and engage with us as a trainer um and it, it sounds sort of similar to the way that you approach it around it's that you can get that engagement with people to be able to ask the questions immediately rather than just trying to remember it and i think then that blended approach can really help reinforce the messages that the e-learning has given in the first instance you can check on the learning outcomes you can check on whether they've been able to apply it and yeah. that's something we're certainly seeing a move towards now in terms of right we've ticked a box but actually we want something that we know people are going to understand be able to apply and show that they've, they've demonstrated we've worked with a few customers to to do some bespoke training around that that's based on scenarios for their their own particular circumstances and that's working really well so sandra yeah just just to sort of bring that on to yourself really because i think joanne sort of mentioned it we've all got different learning styles haven't we you know, some of us would prefer to listen some of us prefer to watch some of us prefer to practice for example but you know what's your experience and particularly what's changed during the pandemic you know has the different ways that businesses work post pandemic changed the way that training is delivered and, and are we still so thoughtful of you know individual learning styles yeah, I think actually individual learning and, and sort of face-to-face learning is absolutely um, 
the need for that has become a lot greater, certainly for us, obviously, in, in during the pandemic times, a lot of um, all of our training went online. Um, and now it's as it is, it is blended and we find that that works really, really well. Um, but I think people are really recognising that need for interaction and sort of interaction face to face. Having said that, sometimes getting 30 people together on a course is really difficult, getting them in, in one room or two rooms. So sometimes the, for example, our five ways to wellbeing course is an hour um, where you can tick a lot of boxes then, get 30 people from all over the country just to to, um, to sign into that, um, log into that, should I say, um, and have a great experience and come out feeling very refreshed. Um, it's tricky, really. It's obviously budget as well as a, as a big, um, big factor. Um, but yeah, we are finding that employers, employers, um, are really sort of trying to get as much face to face as they possibly can. But of course, it's not always possible. But, um, I personally prefer face to face. I think, I don't think you can beat, um, me sort of interacting with people on a sort of one to one basis. Amazing. Amazing. No, really good insight. Thank you, Sandra. Um, we are just about to come um, to a break. Um, but before that break, um, let's um, Joanne pick a song for our listeners. So, Joanne, what is your song choice and why have you picked it? So this is on a personal level because, um, you know, Emerald is very, very young, but uh, and I'm very happy as well. Um, this is uh, Memories by Maroon 5. Um, on the face of it, it seems a sad song, but I chose the song because it cropped up just after my mother died um, during the pandemic. Um, there was a sort of like a youth choir from all over America and they all sung this song. I, I've cried buckets and now I can listen to the song without crying. But and so eventually what happened was it made me very much reflect. I started listening to the words and reflect not only on her, but my wonderful father, my grandparents, my great aunts and other influences who are no longer with us, all of whom I have amazing memories. And I realized they are the people that made me the person I've become. So the lines, here's to the one that we got and toast to the ones that we had today reflects my appreciation to my current influences, such as my partner, my ch our children, their spouses and partners, my family and friends who are making me the person I am today. And not just them, but new people I've met on the way since setting up Pear Emerald, who've been massively influencing me on decisions that I make today, Ben. And whilst the song <laughs> does not have a specific line for my next thought, I realise that the future generations like our grandchildren, and in fact, it's my uh, grandchild that's being born at the end of March, my first one he he or she is the biggest influence of me setting emerald up i think and i realize that the future generations they're going to make me the person i i will become so past present and future i would not be here right now at this point today had it not been for all those influences and i am massively grateful to everyone for that introducing you to local trusted experts this is the business brunch podcast sponsored by we do hr support Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And before that wonderful song um, and wonderful kind of story behind it, um, chosen by Joanne, um, we were talking with our three experts around training um, and really giving this practical advice, as we always do, to business owners um, and business people all across Oxfordshire about what can they implement in their own business. Um, Regina, I'm I'm going to bring the conversation um, across, across to you. Um, and one of the things that Kelly was touching on um, last week as her top tip was the biggest top tip for businesses is very much about 
ensuring that their people are, are trained and their people are regularly kind of getting insight into training. So I just want to really kind of build on that point a little bit in terms of really focused on um, employers. What do employers need to do as the follow up to training? So they can put somebody on a training course or they can pay for an expert like yourself and, and Kelly to come in and support. But what what do employers need to do after the training to make sure that their staff are in the right position? Um, I think the biggest thing that they can do is maybe try and move away. It's something I think all three of us have alluded to is sort of move away from thinking it of it as ticking boxes Mm. something that they have to do and really think about what do they want as an outcome from the training what do they want to change and I think one of the biggest conversations we'll always look at is around the the culture the organizational culture and you want your staff and your teams and your people to be skilled and knowledgeable but it's so easy in the day-to-day sort of melee of doing your job and getting things done and the whole long list of to-dos that, that things can happen, um, particularly in our sector around sort of data protection and cybersecurity. People are constantly trying to get financial gain out of you and your business in some way and your people are the best line of defence. So for us, what we'd sort of encourage employees to do is to, to not just see it as that tick box exercise, but think, how do we build that culture of good data protection practice? How do we encourage it to not just be an annual e-learning session that people click through and go, yep, yeah, every answer is C, yay me, I got, a, I got a great certificate at the end. It's important that people understand those fundamentals, but then it's about continuing the conversation. And you can do that in really simple ways. So For example, we, and we've suggested this to some of our customers who really like it as well, we have a Slack channel that when we see things in the news about data breaches, you know, this afternoon at lunch, I saw one um, about um, JD Sports. They've had a data protection breach in the last few days. We shared that. It gets discussed. You can kind of pick up on some of the learning from it. And I think... Um, if people can make it part of the conversation, part of team meetings and bring those topics through so that actually that reinforcement, you're living the training that you've received, you're, you're then asking questions, you're, you're thinking about it and applying it more thoroughly, that can really help make the training seem relevant. And for me, I think the biggest thing right from when we were at school through to now is if it doesn't feel relevant to you, you always question, why am I doing this? Why is it important? I think if you can make it relevant to people through their roles, through the examples, through how they can use it when they go back to the office, back to where they're working, that will bring people on board. And then it needs to not be forgotten. It needs to become part and parcel of of day-to-day work, day-to-day culture. Joanne, I do you might want to extend on that, but I wanted to also get some um, market knowledge from you as well, because you know, we've we've talked already, haven't we, in terms of people being on training because I have to do this, or mm-hmm. I've been I've been sent on behalf of my business. And I know when I had my own training company, it used to you know I'd stand up in the front of the classroom, and half people told me I had to be here, and I didn't really want to mm-hmm. be here. It just doesn't set you up for the day. And you know, on my own online training course, I've got to talk about training and development, talking about the you know obviously the induction and the on on job development, but where there's a legislation legislation requirement, whether it's a technical, you know, how to, for example, whether it's something around behavior or attitude, or it may even be a, a personal interest that's uh, more than just for the business. But what are you seeing right now in terms of obviously budgets are being squeezed, the most common reason why people are, are getting their training right now? 
I think uh, in in quite a lot of the companies that at the moment, certainly the one that I just left, the um, the the priorities have shifted, which is a shame because you know um, uh, they in, in the company that I was in, they, they it shifted towards the finance department. So you know when when somebody left in the training department, then they they weren't being replaced because they were going to use that budget for for somewhere else. So in a lot of companies that that has um, that has changed as well also they decided that um eventually they they would like to do all e-learning rather than anything else because it's going to be cheaper and i think money has a lot um lot to do with it but then i also think that more and more people are realizing which we've just 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 discussed is that um face-to-face training it can't be it can't be replaced fully because you know people learn off each other as well which you just can't do um you can do on Zoom, obviously, because if you have a nice flow of um, conversation, but you certainly can't do it when you're you're ticking the uh, the multiple choice questions and things uh, on on e-learning. But it's interesting what uh, Regina was saying about. Um, uh, making sure that um, the training becomes relevant in day to day, it is down to the to the bosses, if you like, and to the managers, the supervisors, to make training sexy and make it fun. You know, not oh well, you know, it's another annual thing and everything. And actually, to make, as Regina says, to make it relevant, it's how the training is sold. So of course, you you get that uh, person coming in and say, oh, "I've got to be here." Well, how how has that been sold to him or her? Do you see what I mean? If you say, you know, you're having an update and I'm pretty certain there's a few things that uh, we need to find out. So it's going to be really relevant to your role. Um, so this training is going to be really good this year or, you know, like last year, it was just, it's, there's loads to catch up on. So you'll be all up to date. It's fantastic. So, you know, it, I think the approach by organizations and uh, and businesses should be a, a positive one. You know, learning is good. It helps you. It, can, it gives you confidence. It gives you a guideline it actually you know it gives you boundaries as well so you know what to do what you don't can't do and and so on so there's so much involved and also from uh from the employee's point of view it means that uh, you're interested in them you want them to be better be the best they can but uh, with regards to um to today's climate going back to your question i do think that um uh organizations are shifting their priorities to a degree but um, but it always comes back again. I, I saw it in the uh, the recession uh, way back in the nineties. You know, immediately L and D learning and development stopped, and then suddenly you, all, they're thinking, uh oh, and uh, you know, and and it comes and they they come back again. So you know, it, it, it's sort of waves. I mean, if they if that's what they're going to do now, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, really, really good points. Um, Sandra, Sandra, something I just really kind of want to bring bring around to you. You're, I, I've heard so many people talk about um, you as a person, but also the Oxygen Mind training courses as as, as being brilliant. So, a double sided question, if this is okay. Um, yes, so, what what is mental health uh, first aid training, and what do your courses entail? But then also, I think the the biggest thing is. What is the benefit to employers of having um, trained mental health first aiders? So double-sided, if that's okay. Yeah, I'll answer the last one um, first, if I may. The benefits really (coughs) are that every single person um, within the organisation has kind of a safe person to speak to. So, for example, um, 
some people sign up, sort of four or five people just, you know, sign up for a mental health uh, first aid course, which is a two-day course, great. And then we can see some of them, or maybe one of them may be the CEO or a director. But realistically, are the staff going to go to the CEO with a mental health issue? Possibly not. Mm-hmm. So we try and sort of say, actually, on reflection, would you? Yeah. So basically, the, I think uh, companies now more and more are, are sort of, um, recognizing that they need to give support to their staff, but that their staff won't always feel comfortable going to their direct line manager. So it could be someone in a completely different department they could go to speak to regarding any sort of mental health, mental, mental health issue that they may have. Um, ideally, it'd be wonderful if almost everybody was um, trained in some way with mental health first aid, because then sort of look, looking for the signs of, some, of a colleague that may be a really, really top performer every day, and um, and then one day they're not quite the same, and you and you don't want to be pushy and ask. But then, mm. so there's ways of. It's really about making sort of being comfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, and sort of training people how to how to do that really, and have tricky conversations. Um, the first part of the question: Why? Why would you know? Why are employers sort of choosing to have mental health first aid training? Um, because I think that there's just since the pandemic pandemic particularly there's just more and more people with anxiety stress and and and, and far worse but i think that uh, i think some people say for example a, a middle-aged person man or a woman who've gone through all their life without having any mental health issues at all are finding themselves possibly in debt which is then creating um a problem with their mental health and they don't know it's alien to them excuse me <clears throat> it's alien to them and they don't know where to go or where to turn so if they know they've got that safe person within their organization um you know and companies are recognizing this more and more really fantastic well sandra i, I did want to save you from another cough but uh <laughs> I, I need to ask you a question which is your song choice for our listeners because it's, it's uh, that opportunity for you to tell us uh, why you chose that song Okay. Well, um, I chose this song and obviously for completely different reasons to our other lovely ladies. Um, my song choice is Funking for Jamaica by Tom Brown. It's my absolute favourite song of all time. Takes me back to my youth. And as you'll all see, it completely shows my age. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. So um, yeah, so that's my choice. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Uh, before that song, chosen by Sandra, and I didn't try and guess her age at all during that song, um, but uh, we just uh, enjoyed that tune. Um, so I'm going to bring a question over to yourself, Regina, because um, I think it's very topical for what you guys are doing at Data Basics right now. How do you think technology has influenced training in recent years, maybe by delivery and by um, the actual learning? And what do you think the future is for training and development? Ooh, big question. <laughs> Normally for Ben, asking him. <laughs> um, I think there's, I think obviously, and I think Joanna is, Joanna's alluded to this quite a bit in terms of some of the online training methods have, have I think, exploded during the, um, during the pandemic. I think everybody got more comfortable with using this kind of technology zoom the different various options that are out there and so 
I think there was a move away from that need to be face to face. Certainly for us, we were predominantly face to face prior to to the pandemic, and and that gave us the opportunity to you know we had to we had to look at how we were doing things and revisited that and were able to offer online training led by by Kelly or myself. And that's been good. We've reached people that we would never have reached. I think e-learning has moved on quite a bit as well in terms of some of the functionality and technology that's available. It's less of the kind of, I suppose, if you like, sort of fancy PowerPoint approach with multiple choice. You can sort of switch it up a bit and sort of maybe gamify it more. Um, there's opportunities, I think, through, if you look at some of maybe some of the e-learning around, I mean, gosh, if I show my age now, like when I first did my my theory, the driving I didn't have to do any kind of hazard perception and I know now that there's a lot more opportunities like try and sort of spot those hazards as if you're driving a car but it's all on the computer and I think you know if we can be clever about how we think about our own sectors you know what are the opportunities for engaging people in a different way so that it is more not necessarily always gamified but so that there is the opportunity to really engage people and and try and engage them based on their different learning styles with the acknowledgement that if you've got an audience with different people in it, you're not going to please everyone, but trying to really use those those sort of technological developments around how people can learn and use the what's available to us to really try and make things more engaging for people, particularly if topic areas are perceived as more um, challenging or to you know have a you know maths maths or maths data those type of things they always have that kind of it's really hard so if you can try and engage people and speak to them at different levels make it relevant to them and use the technology to support that I think it will be really exciting to see where it can go um, but I think there's always that bit of necessary human engagement to have conversation and make sure that people can ask questions. And so I'm 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 going to sort of step aside from the the chat GPT question because that's a whole different kettle of fish <laughs> of that kind of AI and how that works. You know, I think I think you can obviously get some good insights into where people are learning, where they might have difficulties, so that you can try and engage them on a more one-to-one personalized level, uh, which I think might be some of the developments that come in down the line. But obviously, whenever you're using that kind of AI, you always have to think about the impact on individuals, the data protection behind it, and people get excited by the technology and go off down that path without really thinking. So that's a bit of a data protection warning around AI and training. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing. And I love that you got a data protection warning in there, Regina. Brilliantly done. (laughs) Uh, Joanna, I'm just going to bring the conversation um, around to you. And again, um, Sorry if it's, if it's a, quite a big question, but but my question is very much around um, for, for those listening at home. So for the business owner listening to this show that has a team and thinking, gosh, after having three such wonderful experts talking about all these wonderful training things, I, I, I haven't done it within my business. I, I haven't got a training plan. I don't train my staff. What's the first thing they should do? What, what's the first step of training? Well, I think uh, really is to... Uh obviously the the obvious answer is doing a training needs analysis but that actually is quite specialized as well you can do it informally as well what is it uh, you know um you think your your team needs uh, but also i mean if you're a company that has feedback look at the feedback because if the feedback is uh, if there's a common th- threat through that feedback you know of a negative kind then that's something like you know um oh such and such was rude um, staff are rude oh the, the 
they didn't seem to know their, what they were talking about, that kind of thing. So they clearly need some kind of customer service training as well. So that's the first thing. The most important thing is to get make sure that they are within the law. So that's their uh, sort of manda- uh, statutory training and data protection comes under that also, you know. So that's the most important thing is to find out what is it that you need to do. Now, if they're really, sometimes you can't see the woods for the trees. So somebody like myself will, could come in and uh, and actually on a consulting le- level and just say, okay, what what is your business? What is it you're trying to achieve? Let's have a look together, and I and I walk through what they've got, what they need, and everything. Because sometimes it doesn't always ne- what they think they need isn't necessarily what they need. So, for example, at um, my previous role, they had um, a, a young man who was being uh, who was let's say um, had challenging behaviour, and they said, um, you know, and they the, the staff didn't know how to handle it. So they said, um, so we need something on autism and I said well actually you need something quite quickly on how to handle challenging behavior then you know the which will will incorporate autism anyway but actually then you let's do autism and then the two will come together but uh, you know it's keeping your staff safe so you know so she was absolutely determined that um, you know that she needed something on autism but actually it was it's to keep her staff staff safe so um so it was um positive behavior support that she needed so so, you know, um, and that's just one example, but um, there's, uh, so yes, so basically I, I would come in, I, I would do a training needs analysis on, on a less informal uh, basis, but uh, it's not half as scary as you think. It actually, once you start unpicking um, what's needed, it, it will suddenly sort of comes together and then you need to find the right kind of training and what you, you know, realistically what, what that company can do and afford. Brilliant. Uh, and my question, Sandra, is, you know how much uh, I love the work that you do at Oxfordshire Mind and around mental health, uh, very, something very close to, to myself. And and because it's such a topical thing right now in, in the world, uh, that it's a topic of interest, whether you're doing that for work or whether you're just doing that for your own personal engagement. But we see so often, don't we, that people attend, attend training today and then it's business as usual tomorrow, often forgotten the content tomorrow. So how do Oxfordshire minds stay engaged with their learners, if you like, to make sure that the content that they're delivering gets embedded into the business? That's a really good question, actually. And it is, as you say, it's very easy to just kind of tick a box and okay fine that's that we've done that for the year but um particularly with our mental health first aid training there's a, a new version that's just come out which involves an app which the the um the um the mental health first aiders have they can download the app um and check in on you know ha- has this been done have you spoken to you know have you followed these procedures and it's not a sort of um uh you know hit list like a sergeant major list but it just really helps them to keep refreshed and to keep keep things um in their mind so that's gone that's been sort of really valuable to us but ideally for us it would be great um and we're working with a couple of companies um at the moment where we're going in as a consultant um and looking at the you know the much bigger picture and building a huge pa- a package of of training rather than just sort of one off um courses so that we're sort of reaching everybody within that um that company and covering as much as we possibly can within the why they why they feel they need training and and as um Joanne said sometimes they think that a client may think they need a certain training, but after a chat, they we we agree then that um, it's maybe something a little bit different that they need. 
Uh, amazing really 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 good 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 points and good advice there um but unfortunately uh that is the end of the show um so thank you so much um to our three guests on the business brunch with ben and mike on get radio today um if you are just tuning in um you only have to wait until tomorrow so i definitely recommend listening to the podcast version and the video version um on the get radio website um we have had uh regina jonas of data basics we've had joanne baker of emerald training and people development services and Sandra Dibbling of Oxford GMI. And thank you so much to the three of you for your time and contribution to our discussion. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We're back next Sunday with three brand new guests discussing how retail and hospitality businesses have pivoted since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And as Ben said, in case you've missed it, uh, the show is also now available in a podcast format. So you can catch us um, on Get Radio now, every Sunday at 11 o'clock, as you have done today, or in podcast format on all your favourite podcast platforms every Monday morning. And then don't forget to look out for the video format, which is going to be posted on the Get Radio Facebook page every Tuesday or Wednesday. So for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week. <laughs>